Gone are the days of knights and chivalry, and yet that hasn't changed God's vision of you as a man of valor. Today, pornography is a simple mouse click away, and sexual addiction is at an epidemic level. Dr. Mark Laser is an internationally known author and speaker, the leading Christian authority on sexual addiction, and the host of Faithful and True's new online radio production, The Men of Valor Program. Here now is Dr. Mark Laser. Welcome to our first show of the new year, and uh, we'd like to thank all of you for listening and uh, downloading this podcast, and uh, we look forward to a very exciting development of our program here during the 2013 year. Randy, it's good to be with you, and uh, one of the things we want to do as we get into the new year is to really get into the material right away. So. Well, that's a it's a great goal for us, Mark, and uh, we've gotten some wonderful feedback from our listeners out there, and uh, this is helping us uh, evolve the Men of Valor program as we move forward, because we want the show to be as uh, impactful and helpful as we can possibly make it. This is the time of the year that uh, most of us, uh, because of tradition, I think, think about uh, the proverbial New Year's resolution. And what that makes me think of in terms of uh, what we do here in our work is uh, we help people change. And uh, today, as we move into the future of our podcasts and our broadcast, I'd like to really challenge the listeners this morning about uh, what they would like to change. Uh, I think all of us at various times in our lives have something that we're doing that we want to stop or we have something that we're not doing that we would like to start. And uh, when I think of this uh, topic this morning, Randy, I think of Paul who was writing to the Romans uh, back in the first century. And he said in the seventh chapter, the 15th verse, uh, and I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but he said that there are, there are things that I that I want to do, that I do not do. There are evil, awful things that I'm doing that I don't want to do. He's basically talking to us about the uh, the sense of out-of-controlness that some of us feel at some point, that uh, uh, we'd like uh, to make a change in our life. So my question to all the listeners this morning is, what are you desperate to change? Whether you're listening to this show in January, like we're recording it, or in July, you know, there's got to be some things in your life that you'd like to change. It's a relevant subject, Mark, that uh, is not dictated by the time of the year. You're 100% right about that. We all want to be uh, the best that we can be. Uh, as men, I think that we desire to be the type of man that God intended us. That's right. And one of the words that I'd like to underline for the listeners this morning is the word desperate. What are you desperate to change? Uh, meaning that there might be things in your life that you've said to yourself, if I don't change this, uh, there are going to be negative consequences. Actually, in fact, you know, that's part of the definition of addiction, really. Uh, and this show is dedicated to, you know, men who are struggling with sexual infidelities and addiction. And, you know, as, as we grow the show, you know, we're also speaking to a lot of people. But the key, the key word here this morning is the word desperate. What do you feel like if you don't change it soon, there's going to be some awful things that happen? Certainly, if you're involved uh, in sexual acting out, sin, infidelity, whatever it might be, 
If you don't change that soon, uh, there could be negative consequences to your marriages, to your relationships, to your work, to you know, lots of uh, elements of your life. Uh, if you're overeating, there could be obvious health uh, uh, damages. Uh, if you're uh, not exercising, that's a maybe a positive change that some of our listeners have tried to make a commitment to. There could be health uh, consequences to that. Uh, maybe you've said to yourself, our relationship, my marriage, uh, uh, my relationship with my children is in a terrible place. If I If I don't make some changes in terms of intimacy or honesty or vulnerability, you know, then there's going to be some negative consequences to my relationship. This morning, we want to speak to uh, all of you who are, are sensing that, that uh, feeling of desperation. There's something that you need to change. And here at the beginning of the year, it's the perfect time in which most of us, I think, try to refocus, reground ourselves. Uh, as the new year has begun, uh, we tend to take a closer look at ourselves and we look at our relationships. We, we want our marriages to be the best they can be. We want our relationships with our children to be the best they can be. We want our health to take a step up in improvement. We're going to start. This is why there's always such an influx of uh, memberships at the uh, at the gym. Right. Uh, the beginning of the season uh, with the new year, people go, this is the year. This is the year I'm dropping the 20 pounds and, and getting mm-hmm. healthier. This is the year that an ind- individual wants to uh, quit smoking or, or, or start a, a healthier um, um, daily regime with uh, mm-hmm. getting themselves into better shape. So this subject is uh, is well timed, I think, this morning in talking about what are you desperate to change. Let's talk about. Uh, by the way, I was thinking about the health club thing yesterday when I was trying to find a parking space on uh, New Year's Day at the uh, health club. But let's just talk about an example. By the way, we're, what we're going to do uh, here in just a minute is we're going to talk about uh, some accountability principles. Uh, We've talked about it once before on the show, uh, but I think what we should do here in these uh, first several broadcasts of uh, this year is to talk about accountability. And accountability is really about how to make a change. So we're, we're challenging the listeners this morning, what are you desperate to change? And we want to get into some practical things that you can think about in terms of how to make that change. And those are what we call here the seven principles of accountability. We're not going to get into all seven today. We don't have time, but we are going to talk about the first two of those. And then in the following shows, we'll we'll add to that. I would also say that uh, one of the things we have available on our website is the full lecture that I do. It's about an hour or so long that will be on our website uh, called The Seven Principles of Accountability for those that would like to get it all in one shot. That, that, that is there. Uh, you know, every day th- that uh, we work here at our counseling center, we, we encounter stories, stories of, of men who have uh, been lost in a world of addiction. And um, these are men that have uh, tried to change but haven't been able to. I think of uh, kind of the classic story that comes to us so often, and that would be the man who, when he was in his youth, was uh, perhaps exposed to pornography at an early level. I know that uh, you know, in my own story, it was uh, such that I saw my first pornographic magazine when I was 11. What has continued to amaze me is the uh, the stories that come into us here where 
the age of first scene pornography has uh, shrunk, meaning that some of the men that come here have seen pornographic images as early as five, six, seven, eight, nine. Mm-hmm. They've been exposed to various uh, kind of sexual images early on in their life. Back at you know at that time, uh, you know I don't think any of us would say that it's outside the norm for a child at some point to be exposed to uh, all the kind of pornographic images that are out there in our culture. What I think is uh, particularly uh, depressing for the men that I work with is that at some point in their life, maybe it was even in adolescence or high school, they said to themselves for some of the first time, uh, I wish that I could stop doing this. I wish I could stop looking at this stuff. I wish I could refrain from masturbation uh, that usually goes, you know, with seeing pornography and develops, uh, you know, sometime early on in the early life of the men that I work with. So I think the first awareness of when you thought that you needed to make this change about something is something for the listeners to think about. Throughout the broadcast, we're going to be asking you various questions. If you're listening to this as a group of men that is uh, gathered together for accountability, I think, you know, pause And one of the things that I'd like you to think about is when was the first time you thought to yourself, I need to change this particular behavior that that we're talking about? The men that I work with, they were in their adolescence and high school years when they first had the thought, I need to stop looking at pornography as much as I am. I need to stop masturbating as much as I do. Don't get me wrong, you know, masturbation is a fairly normal developmental activity that happens for just about everybody. But there does come a time when you think, I'm doing it too much. I'm looking at these things too much. When was the first time you had an awareness that you wanted to change? Now, the average guy that comes here takes this uh, behavior into their adult life. Uh, the average man that I work with, Randy, says to himself that by becoming a Christian or becoming more faithful in my my uh, Christian practice, I should be able to stop this. Uh, they've been very disappointed by the fact that despite things that pastors and others are telling them to do, and they do them, it's still not enough to get them to stop uh, this particular behavior. The classic one that all the men that are married that come here tell me is that they were really believing that when they got married, their sexual practices, uh, pornography or masturbation, would stop. And so bringing that into the marriage, it, it creates difficulties until such time as they finally get discovered Uh, whether it's by their wife finding their pornography on their computer, walking in on them one day when they're acting out, uh, finding whatever it is that they find. And then now we have a crisis in the marriage because of uh, what the, uh, the wife has discovered. That is kind of our typical story here at uh, our counseling center. And that adds to that desperation that we're talking about because, you know, it's one thing to be uh, harboring this secret that, uh, that you may be struggling with within yourself knowing that that uh, you have this uh, this problem that that you would like to go away but once your spouse has uh, discovered it uh, it adds uh, it certainly intensifies the problem uh, and adds to the desperation is, is that not true yeah desperation and um let's just expand this for a moment for those that might 
be listening. I mean, maybe it is that uh, you have your first memory of uh, when you said to yourself, I, I need to stop drinking as much as I am. I need to stop smoking. I need to lose weight. Uh, uh, I need to get better at being able to be talking about my feelings or whatever else it is. You know, when was the first time you became aware that you needed to stop something or start something in order to be uh, the man that God called you to be? So take a moment and think about that. I think one of the principles of accountability is that all of us need to take our own inventory and realize how desperately uh, unmanageable you know, this particular problem that you're dealing with is. So now is part of the uh, unmanageable nature that you're mentioning there in an earlier podcast, you mentioned, thank goodness that the internet was not uh, around uh, back when you were younger because the, your, your infatuation, your, uh, for lack of a better word, your uh, addiction with pornography would have been intensified because uh, of how easy it is to find because of the internet now. Well, that's true. I mean, uh, back in uh, in my day, when I was uh, looking at pornography, you had to uh, go to rather obscure places to, to get it. In other words, you know, the, the average drugstore or convenience store had, you know, Playboys or whatever else it was back in those days. But uh, when the Internet came in, well, first of all, I think the first development in the expansion of pornography was, uh, believe it or not, the uh, cable networks, the uh, even the HBOs of the world. The HB- HBO has you know some great programming, don't get me wrong, which is kind of like uh, it's part of our ampersand teaching around here. HBO has some good programming, and it started to introduce us to a world of uh you know, softcore pornography very early on in the 80s. And then the Internet, of course, became more popularly in use in um, the mid-90s. I've always thought to myself that that if I had that kind of accessibility, you know, it, it just would have ramped up the development of my own addiction. So I'm guessing there are a lot of people out there that are listening to us today that can identify with the powerlessness that may be developed with the Internet. In other words, you, you started using the Internet. We were all amazed and astonished by the... Uh, by the ease of uh, uh, using uh, emails and uh, all of that and how wonderful that was, you know, to be able to communicate so easily with our friends. And yet, um, in the process of using the good things about the Internet, then we also, you know, got lost in some of the other stuff that's available there. Uh, You know, today we're seeing a whole new population of, of people that are, you know, getting addicted uh, really fast to the uh, the power of the internet. Do you, um, as you said, we're going to uh, approach and discuss the first two of these uh, principles. Would you like to now, you know, get into that first uh, principle of accountability? Sure. Uh, accountability, remember, is how you are trying to find help and support for whatever it is you are desperate to change. So, uh, <clears throat> principle number one of accountability is to recognize and own your own sense of powerlessness around something. <clears throat> That's why I was asking earlier for the listeners to be thinking about when was the first time you had that thought that you needed to change something. The average guy that we work with uh, can trace this back for years in terms of having that thought, I need to change something. What that should lead to at some point, if you're going to be accountable, is the idea that your own best efforts have not been able to get you free of whatever behavior you're trying to change. 
uh, it's a recognition that uh, your own thoughts, your own rationale, your own um, discipline, whatever that may or I may not be. I can't fix this on my own. I, I cannot do this on my own. Basically, we learned a lot about this through the power of Alcoholics Anonymous when when Bill W. and Dr. Bob wrote the 12 Steps back in 1935. You know, they recognized this first principle of accountability in the first step when they said, I admitted that I was powerless over alcohol and that my life had become unmanageable. No change, no accountability is going to be possible without recognizing your own level of powerlessness. Now, this is a hard one for the average guy to take in because we're all raised with a sense of independence, be strong, do this, do that. You know, we all go to leadership conferences now. I mean, they've been popular for the last 10, 15, 20 years. I mean, Willow Creek Church and some of the other great churches in our nation all have sponsored leadership conferences. And we all go back to football, basketball, athletics, whatever it was, and and where we were challenged to, you know, motivate ourselves. We have a, a core belief inside us someplace that strong people ought to be able to do certain things. Basically, what the first principle of accountability is recognizing is that your own leadership skills, your own strength, your own power, so to speak, has not been enough. It's like Alcoholics Anonymous says, it's my own best thinking that got me here. So, Step number one of accountability is recognizing, owning, accepting your own sense of powerlessness over whatever it is that you're trying to change. And that rectifying that situation uh, is never going to happen until you make that first step of accountability. That's right. So one of the questions that I want to ask the listeners to think about uh, this morning is, how are you at asking for help? Now, I could think of a lot of different situations. There are times around my house, for example, as I get older for you know my own best example, that uh, there are things around the house that I can't do anymore. One of which is that uh, you know Debbie says, you know, if you get on a ladder and go up on the roof and fall off and kill yourself, I'll kill you. You know, right. so it's like, how am I at asking for help? Well, in other words, if I've got a problem up on the roof, you know, I may need to ask one of my neighbors or, you know, Ben, our, our engineer here, whether he can come up and go on the roof. Ben but is an excellent roof man. He's, he's very good up on the roof. Now, the point I'm trying to make, though, is it's a kind of a pride issue to say to myself at age 62 with diabetic neuropathy in my feet, I cannot go up on the roof. I am powerless up on the roof. I have to be able to ask for help. For a lot of men, and women too for that matter, that's a hard thing to do. So my question to the listeners this morning in terms of our first principle of accountability very simply is, how are you at asking for help? What is there in your life right now that you could use some help with that you're having a hard time asking for help about? Well, and I think that by nature, uh, men are uh, perhaps... Oh, I don't know whether, you know, it, here's an out-of-date uh, term, but macho. You know, men are afraid to sometimes ask for help, thinking that it's uh, less than, uh, that's not the perception that they have the, of themselves as a man. I'm capable of doing anything. I don't need help. Uh, when in reality, we all need help 
you know, there, we all have those areas of our life where, where, you know, we're not capable of handling a situation on our, on our own. I think you continually come up with words, Randy, that reflect your upbringing in rock and roll back to the <laughs> 70s and 80s. You I'm know, showing my age again, too. Yeah, you're the macho, macho man. But, uh, but yeah, I, you know, I think that, that that term is exactly what we're talking about. So <clears throat> let's just summarize for a moment. Uh, principle number one of accountability is to own and accept that you're powerless over that which you're desperate to change. So if you're desperate to stop looking at pornography, you're desperate to stop drinking, you're desperate to stop smoking, you're desperate to start exercising. Um, oh, another one that I think of is you're desperate to start managing money better. That's another frequent huge uh, area mm -hmm. uh, New Year's Eve resolution. Maybe own the fact that you're not good at money management or you're not uh, particularly motivated to uh, go out and start jogging three miles today. <clears throat> you're not particularly aware of, you know, how to help yourself stop looking at certain things on the internet. Own that. Accept that. Look at messages that are in your brain about uh, masculinity. You know, what does it mean to be strong? One of our principles here at Faithful and True is strength is in the ability to admit weakness, meaning that if I own my own powerlessness, that's probably the right place to start. The first most positive step that you could be taking. To yeah. Now, again, to be practical today for the listeners, think of something in your life right now. Maybe you're not sitting there and you're dealing with some desperate powerlessness. Is there anything in your life right now that you could say, I could really use help with that, and what is it? And how are you at asking for help? That's principle number one. Principle number two of accountability, how oftentimes do you get asked on a daily basis, how are you doing? How are you feeling today? Or how are, how are things going? And, you know, what do you typically say? Well, most of us say, I'm good. I'm okay. I'm fine. It's fine. And let's be honest. I mean, let's say you're at church coffee hour and you've just been to worship or whatever. And uh, chances are in that social situation, people don't really want to know how you're doing. Uh, you're in the grocery store and you see a friend uh, and they ask you, how's it going? Probably in the uh, cereal aisle, you, you, you don't necessarily want to get completely honest about, you know, some of the desperate situations in your oh, life, yeah. right? So, you know, I, I want to be practical and realistic here. You know, when people ask you how you're doing, I think you have to be careful. But principle number two of accountability is that there needs to be some people in your life with whom you can get completely honest about how you're feeling and how you're really doing. So in in light of the theme of our show today, that sense of desperation about wanting to change. How are you uh, talking to somebody about how it feels to be that powerless over this particular change that you're trying to make in your life? Principle number two of accountability is in, in order to make change with certain safe people, you need to be able to talk about your feelings in an honest way. If you're depressed or sad or angry or anxious or fearful, there needs to be safe people in your life that you can talk about those feelings with, and you need to be able to talk to them on a regular basis. Um, I don't think, again, going back to this masculinity thing, I don't think men are good at that. I mean, let's take one of those you know pauses that we talk about and just ask the men, 
What were the messages in your families, in your schools, in your churches, on your athletic teams about feeling? Did anyone around you model in a healthy way how to express feelings? Did you get talked out of your feelings? I think sometimes we learn these things even on the sports teams that we play on. You know, uh, you're really sad that you lost the game. You know, suck it up, move on, we'll do better next time. Whatever the examples are, I mean, I think as a culture, we're not good at encouraging people to be honest about their feelings. Now, remember we're saying this is not every place. We don't want to be emoting and uh, bleeding all over uh, every situation in our life. But we need to have safe people in our life with whom we can get totally honest about how we feel. Well, these are these are powerful points that we're making this morning, Mark. And uh, as we wrap up today's show, um, what thoughts do you want to leave the listeners with for today? Well, I, I think of several other questions. We've already talked about a couple. But for today, uh, I'd like the listeners to think about, again, that desperation that they have to change. But as we close the show, uh, maybe another question is, how long has it been that you've been thinking about this? And what is it that you think has been keeping you stuck? What has been been preventing you from owning your own powerlessness? My, my best guess about that is that it is fear. There is fear that you have. If people in your life found out how unmanageable, how powerless this change is, there would be a negative reaction. I think it's fear of other people's reaction that's the biggest stuck place that we have in our lives. So uh, I would challenge all of our listeners, again, going back to what we were talking about in today's show, are there some safe people in your life that you can talk about that fear that you have? A safe person is usually a person that can hear even your most negative thoughts and still like you and still come back and still uh, want to be your friend. So are there people in your life that you can talk about about what has been keeping you stuck? So for today's show, Randy, uh, I want to encourage the listeners. Change is possible. Change can happen. I've never known anyone who's made a change, certainly of an addictive behavior, without the help of lots of other people. And if you're ready to make a serious change in your life, we want to let you know that we here at Faithful and True are here for you. Uh, if you take a good look at our website, faithfulandtrue.com, you'll find lots of resources and lots of information, especially about our men's intensive workshops in which we can really help you and, and address these very same issues. So uh, we will join you again next week. Thank you very much for listening to the Men of Valor program with Dr. Mark Laser. We thank Ben Laser, our engineer and technical director, and I'm Randy Everett, and we will join you again next week. You've been listening to the Men of Valor program with Dr. Mark Laser. For information about this program or to learn more about Faithful and True, visit us at FaithfulandTrue.com. That's FaithfulandTrue.com.